Hey everyone, welcome to Women Wide for Wellness, presented by Holistic and Integrative Center of Novi, a holistic icon. I'm your host, Dr. Nisha Chama. So why do you need another podcast? Here's what I know, and I'm sure you've noticed this too. Despite the abundance of information, a wealth of knowledge, we're still dying of chronic diseases. And why is that? This is a question that I have not been able to answer, but I do see the problems. There is a wealth of information, but it's overwhelming and sometimes confusing and contradicting. My job in this podcast is to help you realize the science behind the information. Women in particular tend to suffer for decades before they can be heard, before they seek the right kind of help. And even when they seek the right kind of help or get into the medical system, one of the main solutions that they're given is a diagnosis and a drug. And as we all know, the more medications we get on, the challenge with these medications is sometimes the medications are more harmful than the disease itself. So understanding how we develop the disease, what you can do for it, should be our goal. And that's what I'm attempting with this podcast, helping you understand that medications are an option, but not your only option. They are never a long-term solution. What can you do, which is under your control, to get back your health? We delve into those difficult questions. So if this podcast helps you open your mind to a different way of thinking, then I've done my job. Once again, I welcome you to this podcast. Please take a moment to review us and share this podcast with anyone else whom you believe will be helped. But if I fall short, please reach out to me and let me know how I can improve it. Once again, You are listening to Women Wired for Wellness. I'm the founder and host of this podcast, Dr. Nisha Chalam. Without any further delay, we'll go on to our next guest on this podcast. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Chalam. If you've been struggling with emotional eating and cannot seem to break that habit, this is the podcast you need to listen to. We get into what emotional eating is, what it does for you. Obviously, it does something good for you, which is why you continue to do it despite understanding that this is an emotional eating. I'm not eating because I'm hungry. Listen to Trisha Nelson. It's amazing. She goes through the three things that emotional eating does for you and understanding getting to the root cause of those three things will help you resolve this problem so if that has piqued your interest take out all of your distractions sit down and listen to this podcast and i promise you you will be blown away Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Chalam. I am really excited about this installment of our podcast. I have Trisha Nelson. And who is Trisha? She's actually an internationally acclaimed author. More than anything else, she's a transformational speaker, a coach. And I really love her story, but people's story are best told by themselves. So I'm going to 
hand over this conversation to Trisha. Trisha, just walk us through what you actually do and what got you to do doing what you do, because it's very interesting. Well, thank you. And thanks for having me. Um, I call myself an emotional eating expert. So my expertise is emotional eating. And the reason why I do what I do is because I have been an emotional eater and I, you know, for decades struggled with food and weight. Um, so it started, I think when I was very young and food was a big highlight for me. So I love to eat. I love to cook. I love to, you know, make food for other people, shop for food, the whole nine yards. If it had to do with food, I was excited about it. <laughs> so, um, so it was a highlight for me and that wouldn't have been a problem except that I really struggled with my weight. So I gained weight very easily. I think I just genetically am predisposed to that. Both my parents were that way too. And so, you know, from a very early age, I considered myself to be overweight, you know, and I was very unhappy with my weight. Of course, I look back on pictures. I'm like, what was the problem? Like, I really wasn't that, you know, yeah. overweight and sometimes wasn't at all. But what I call it now, I call it fathead, where I always thought I was overweight. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, what you focus on grows. And so I was obsessed with my weight, always thinking I'm fat, always you know, afraid of being, you know, fat and all this kind of thing, checking myself out in the mirror. And, um, and I did, I gained weight. And by age 20, I was 50 pounds overweight. And so very painful for me. Um, I had a roll on my stomach that I would scrunch up in my hands. And I just like, it was perpetually there. And I just thought if I could just cut this off, like I was fat after all. I'm like, you know how you cut fat off the side of a steak? I'm like, well, if it's fat, why can't I just do that? And of course, <laughs> not a good idea. Thank God I didn't try it. But, but you know, I also had other kinds of crazy thoughts. Like I, I sometimes wished I'd get some disease where I'd automatically lose weight. Wow. Or I'd, you know, I thought, well, maybe I'll join the army where I'll be forced to go through boot boot camp and exercise. <laughs> the army so, loves you. I <laughs> know. So, you know, it's like these crazy, really out there ideas because I was so out of control of food and I really couldn't control my weight. And so um, it's very frustrating for me. And, um, you know, there just came a time where after all the diets and the exercise programs and pills and potions and lotions, I just... I just gave up. You know, I just thought I can't do this anymore. And at the time when I realized that I was, you know, I was a yo-yoer. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. And so I just realized that I was going to perpetuate that cycle the rest of my life if I didn't do something different. So and, let me just yeah. um, get to that part where sure. you discovered you were an emotional eater, right? Because a lot of people, we all talk about it. We all talk about being emotional eaters. But Yours was almost pathological because everything was around food. Do you know when you're looking back what started it off? Um, so it's many things. Um, so I would say that a lot of people, um, you know, they're looking for that one thing. And there's definitely, you know, I find that most people, you know, I've been coaching women for 30 years now um, with food and weight issues. And because um, after I healed, I realized there's definitely a system that I used. And that's what I, that's what I developed um, and, and share with people. But 
I will say that definitely trauma of some kind plays a part in many emotional eaters' lives. Not all of them, you know, yeah. there's other factors, but, you know, definitely, you know, whether you grow up with alcoholism or some kind of addiction in your family, or there's mental illness, or there's sexual abuse, some kind of physical abuse, some kind of abuse, de that definitely obviously skews um, toward emotional eating or other addictions, you know, and, and I was a food addict through and through. I mean, I was definitely addicted. So, um, I find that's very true for the people I talk to, but not always. Some people are like, Trisha, I wasn't abused. Like what, what's up? And, and it doesn't, you know, it's not a requirement. It's just that kind of grease, this greases the skids a little bit. And so, um, but the thing with that is it's not just that thing because my experience is, what happens when we're young is when we do have dysfunction in our lives and we turn to food to, to deal with that dysfunction, we don't develop emotionally at the, in the way that we should, like a normal person would develop. And so what we do is we develop coping skills for getting by in whatever dysfunctional life we have. And those coping skills which saved us at one time, take on a life of their own. So yeah. there's, it's sort of like this web of problems in this web of, you know, dysfunctional coping skills that really lead and perpetuate the emotional eating. So people are, are always like, if I can find that one thing and fix that, but it doesn't work that way. Cause when we have trauma, when we have that one thing, it spawns these different ways of coping. And it's just, again, this web of uh, dysfunction, dysfunctional ways of relating to the world. And I, I developed something in my research called uh, the anatomy of the emotional eater, which is 24 personality traits that make up the emotional eaters personality. And it's like, we gotta, we gotta address all of those because that, and it has nothing to do with food. Like these things, these are traits that have nothing to do with food. And I'm happy to talk about some of those traits so people yeah. can kind of yeah. tune into that because it's, the crazy thing is it has nothing to do with food, but it has everything to do with food because when we engage in these traits, it creates cravings. And that's where the cravings come from. I, 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 my experience is cravings, like physical cravings, like for sugar and carbs and that kind of thing, definitely a real thing, okay? I'm a total sugar addict and my body like reacts. When I eat sugar, I just want more sugar. Like, yes. And sugar is all I want. Like don't, don't give me a salad, I want sugar. <laughs> so, so there's definitely that physical addiction, but I'd say that's about 10% of the deal. About 90% is the emotional. And, and to me, the good news is that if we address that emotional stuff, the cravings will abate and we won't need that food. We won't need that sugar and carbs because anybody who's quit sugar for any period of time <laughs> and has gone back to it, you know, they go back to it for emotional reasons because we quit it and it's out of your system. You don't crave it physically anymore, but the emotional craving is still there. So that's where that, you know, looking at deeper at the way we're living, it comes into play. That's actually the principle of most addiction. I mean, all addiction. It's Absolutely. like you quit alcohol, you could quit tobacco, you quit drugs, you quit sugar, you get to eat healthier, you quit that you know, obsessive compulsive eating. Um, the reason you go back to it after a few years is suddenly your coping mechanism broke down. Yes. And, and you went back to your comfort zone of an easy, quick fix. At that Absolutely. point, thinking this is the only time I'm going to do it, I deserve it. It's like the ice cream on the kitchen floor moment uh, <laughs> where, you know, everything you just give up, you get this tub of ice cream and you're just scooping it or ice cream on your bed 
moment. Yeah. Although I never it. went two years. <laughs> it took <laughs> two weeks for me to go back there. But yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. So, so really what you're telling is this something This usually, I, I don't think people are born with addiction, though I would say since I do genetic testing, there is a genetic trait that gets you wired um, as far as your dopamine receptors had to toe for sugar. Yeah. And when you have that, just having that awareness, that doesn't mean you will become an addict. It means if your environment is suitable, the chances are you're going to have an addiction potential. So what I'm hearing from what you're saying is there's something that triggers off this emotional distress and food for a child, food is an easy access, right? I can go and eat food and, um, that becomes perpetuates and then you get desperate because you start seeing that you're getting judged by people or you're judging yourself. Yeah. And then you're trying to break that cycle through diet and exercise, which yo-yos your weight and it's not sustainable because you're forcing something without getting to the root cause. Exactly. So one of the things that you've done research is there are certain traits that um, you find, and if you could give us an example of what is it that I know you said 24, but a few things so people get an idea of what you're talking about, and that will, uh, you know, they might be able to identify and say, okay, this is a place I need some help. Right. So um, the number one trait of emotional eaters, like like across the board, not everybody has all 24 traits. Across the board, what I've seen is emotional eaters are people pleasers. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> almost like empathetic. Totally. Very much so. so. Yeah, emotional leaders are deep feelers and we're caretakers. And so that leads itself to, lends itself to the people pleasing. But, you know, the people pleasing often comes from the fact that we didn't get a strong sense of ourselves growing up, okay? If we did have some kind of dysfunction in our family and we didn't get a strong sense of who we are or where we stop and another person begins, um, then we're going to be looking for validation and a sense of worth outside of ourselves in an unhealthy way. And that's where the people pleasing comes in is we want those added girls. You know, we want people to recognize us. We want to be filled with a sense of adulation and a sense of, you know, somebody being impressed or, you know, liking us or whatever, pleased with us. And so that's where that compulsion to say yes, every time there's a need and like, I'll do the extra project. I'll do the, you know, I'll host the party. Yes, I'll do your homework, even though you should be doing your own homework. You know, <laughs> like it, it's, it's just this, it is like a, like we're compelled. And so that's where that comes from. And you know, some people may, may be like, yeah, I'm a people pleaser. What does that have to do with food? Well, I'll tell you in my personal experience, because I was the best of people pleasers, is that when we go out of our way to please other people and we take on the extra projects and we're always saying yes to things without checking our schedule, without checking our stress levels, you know, we burn ourselves out. You know, if we look at our motives behind things, so much of it's this need to please. And so mm -hmm. we get burned out. But not only that, uh, we also get resentful because, you know, and resentment is one of those 24 personality traits where we're very quick to kind of grumble and feel like, gee, we weren't uh, appreciated to the extent that we planned on being, right, when we, we took on this huge load of extra work. And so we're not only, you know, our adrenals are shot and we're, we're tired, we're taxed, 
but we're pissed off as well. And it's like the perfect prescription for, and what I call it, the I deserve it bend. It's like nobody else is recognizing me. Darn it. I'm going to get my favorite foods and sit in front of my favorite TV show. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to reward myself. <laughs> so, but that's a good example of how, you know, it really is how we're showing up in the world that's causing that ultimate, you know, overeating episode. And the good news about that is that we can make changes. We can start setting boundaries on our time. We can start saying no and realizing that the cost of saying yes to everybody is high, you know, and if we want different results with our weight, we've got to make changes in the way we're living. Got it. So, Essentially, I mean, this is very common. They're called, um, there's another way to call these folks who are, you know, people pleasers. They're very supportive. They're supportive. Yep. They support everyone, the PTO. That's the person yep. who volunteers and arranges <laughs> everything. And nobody ever mentions or recognizes them. Then you get grumpy. And, yep. Um, and people, and and people expect you. Like, they expect yeah. it. You know, they just take it for granted, take you for granted. And that leads to that resentment, which, again, resentment feeds. It definitely is another trait that breeds overeating because we don't speak our mind. You know, we just yeah. sort of dwell on what's unfair about the situation. And another trait is that we're afraid to speak up for ourselves. You know, emotional eaters, you know, we don't say it, we stuff it, you know, yeah. and when we stuff it, you know, yeah. and we have to keep stuffing it, you know, and, and that has to change. Like, it's like the idea that we're just going to lose weight. It doesn't happen unless we make corollary, you know, changes in the way we're living. Got it. Got it. So how does one recognize that they have this problem? Do you know, a lot of times, um, this is the truth. And I totally believe my patients, they do tell me that they don't eat much. And I truly believe them because they probably don't eat much. And then the, uh, in those moments, the spurts of where whatever the emotional um, imbalance or emotional distress that they have, mm -hmm. they're just going for the wrong food. Yes. And they're doing it in uh, overabundance and then they go through the spaces. So how does one recognize that they have an emotional eating disorder and not just loving food? I mean, I love food. I could, if you give me a whole day to sit down and eat and say nothing is going to stick to your body, I would do it. Yeah, <laughs> I think most people would. <laughs> so so the, the, the point is, it's really a spectrum Okay. And, um, in my experience is everybody's on the spectrum, you know, I mean, I believe yeah. we're kind of hardwired to have some kind of emotional connection to food so that we'll subsist as a species, you know, we got, it's gotta be some kind of enjoyment. Otherwise we just might blow it off, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so definitely I feel like everybody's an emotional eater and it is a spectrum. So it's really a question of where are you on the spectrum on the low end is just love liking food loving food whatever it's a very it's a good experience high-end food addiction okay and so where are you on the spectrum i actually created a quiz on my website that will tell people exactly where they are it's a free quiz anybody can go to healyourhunger.com and take the quiz and you will okay. get a personalized score and so and it, it'll show you where you are on the spectrum you know on the low end you'll be an emotional eater with you know maybe some things to look out for on the high end food addict, you know, for sure. So, um, and that's where I was or somewhere in between, obviously. And so the different, like how to know sort of where you are in that spectrum, 
um, that's really, uh, am I on video? I can't, I, we're doing video, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah. do, can I show this to you? Yeah, sure. Uh, absolutely. Me, I, I happen to have this whiteboard today and I'm like, well, why not use this thing? Absolutely. So, <laughs> and I'll explain to people what exactly you're showing too. We just okay. have a whiteboard. So I'm just showing you the spectrum. So here's the spectrum. You can see that, right? Okay, so we have emotional eating on the low end of the spectrum and a food addiction on the um, high end of the spectrum. So um, what we're talking about here, and I'm put, drawing a line in, you know, across, you know, kitty corner from the top left to the bottom right. What we're talking about here is um, on, the, uh, on one quadrant is um, control mm -hmm. and the other quadrant is consequences. Oops. So, so, um, so let's say, and I'm going to draw a dotted line here like that, like that, and like that. Okay. So basically what you've drawn is a rectangle and you've um, drawn a diagonal line across below is control on top is consequences. And then yeah. dotted lines dividing that rectangle into one, two, three, four, four columns. Yes. So, so here's the deal. On the low end is an emotional eater who has lots of control. See this? Mm -hmm. Lots of control and very few consequences. So let's say they go on a cruise, you know, and, and, and they, they gain five pounds because they ate everything at the buffet. Yeah. Okay. And then they come home. So they come home and they have control. So, you know, and here's the five pounds. That's their consequence. But they have enough control to say, okay, I'm going to start jogging again and I'm going to cut out sweets. And they do it. They're actually able to do it. And so that's, that's them at the low end. A lot of control and very few consequences. Got it. Okay. But me, you know, I like it got, it's, it's progressive. So I might've been here at some point, but in the high end where the food addiction is, mm -hmm. you know, it, what you're doing is you're having diminishing levels of control and, you know, and increasing consequences. So when you're on the high end, you have very little control, which means you binge, you know, or you just yeah. eat and you can't cut out sweets. Like the idea of cutting out sweets, as I said, two years, never going to happen for somebody who's a sugar addict, right? And so, um, I, a food addict. And so very little control to like course correct, pull back, be successful on a diet for a long sustaining period of time. You know, anybody can diet for a little period of time, yeah. but then yeah. it gets hard and they can't do it anymore. So very little control and the consequences do pile up, especially the older someone gets. So diabetes, you know, heart disease, autoimmune issues. I mean, you see all these things. And right. so, you know, but, but there's also lifestyle consequences, like can't go out and play with the kids. You know, you get depressed or anxious. You want to sit at home, yep. uh, no motivation. You're not very happy. You're kind of grumpy or bitchy, you know, like, uh, th these are the consequences there are so many consequences. So I just find this to be a, a great visual on kind of where, where one might show up on the spectrum. And it's really having to do with the, the level of control you have to pull back or course correct and the number of ways it's really affecting your life. So emotional eating is not a bad thing. It's really when it gets to a point of food addiction and addiction is something where you don't have control, basic. Yeah, and absolutely. It, yeah, so we're all emotional eaters. So that's not, that is something to be anticipated um, because mm -hmm. we're surrounded with abundance. 
technically we would eat when we are hungry, but when we eat because we're emotional about something, or the other extreme is where you stop eating because you're anxious and sad and yeah. you actually look miserable and thin. Yep. That's a, a different type of emotional starvation, I should call yeah. it. Yeah. All yeah, driven by your emotions. Staying yeah, I mean, everything. really still emotional yeah. eating to me. It's it's all it, when we're responding to our emotions with food. Yeah, and or the lack thereof, and yeah. the food addiction part of it is where you have complete loss of control because you know what you're doing. You have an awareness this is hurting you, but you don't know how to stop it, and or you feel out of control and you just can't. And I see a lot of those. Yeah. So how does that person who knows, you know, I promised myself I'm going to stop sweets. I'm going to actually eat only healthy. And that lasts exactly an hour, right? That thought process, <laughs> because the minute you walk in, somebody's serving pizza, it's like, oh, heck with that I'm going to have one. And then that one becomes two slices. And before you know, you're ordering a pizza at home and that just rolls into it's like, I can't do this. Right. So how does one recognize that? How do they, what are the first few things? What are the tools that you can give them to get some control, degree of control? Yeah. So because I have this thing, I'm going to give you another visual. <laughs> so, and, and it's fine if somebody's just listening because it's going to come through fine. So yeah. I, I like to tell people about um, what I, what I've coined as the PEP test. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the PEP test, it, PEP is an acronym. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and this is, these are the three, really the three primary emotions that drive emotional eating. So if people find that they're like going to the refrigerator like five times of an evening, mm -hmm. um, I say start, start with the pep test. And so, you know, and this is a way of identifying what, you know, so oftentimes we're like, we know what food's doing to us. Like we don't like being overweight. We don't like the muffin top. We don't like fit in our clothes, you know, so we get that it's doing something to us. But what we don't tune into is the fact that it's really doing something for us. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so we have to say, what is this food? How is it serving us? And then the first thing, uh, P stands for painkiller. Okay, so food okay. is a painkiller, and I mean mostly emotional pain. You know, obviously there's physical things, and people eat over that, but it's mostly just pain. Like it's like a pandemic, like that's yeah. painful. Okay. So people have been, you know, the, the quarantine 15 has come from the fact that people like our lives are turned upside down. We can't see our loved ones. You know, we're like yep. afraid of going out of the house. We might die. You know, that's some serious emotional pain and people are eating over that. So it's a painkiller. So, so it's a painkiller because of pain. Okay. Uh, yep. other, uh, other pain could be, um, like, uh, a relationship that's not working out. Like you keep trying to make it work, beat your head against the wall, it's not working. Or a job that no longer fits you and you feel miserable. Every time you go to work, you feel miserable and you have to stock up on chocolate. You know, you've got chocolate in your desk just so you get through the day. Okay, so this is emotional pain and there's a jillion different kinds, you know, and these are just, these are emotions all humans experience, but for mm -hmm. emotional eaters, we're really adverse to feeling. Because as a, at a young age, when feeling was really hard and we didn't have coping tools, we just kind of made a decision, I'm going to tune this out and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to numb. And so mm. food is an amazing way of numbing. So, so first of all, food is an amazing painkiller. Food is also an amazing form of escape. 
okay? Mm. And again, pandemic, great example. Like, yeah. who wants to be a part of this reality? Like, this totally sucks. <laughs> so, um, so we're just going to check out. We're going to get our favorite foods. We're not even going to bother with exercise because the gyms are closed. And, you know, and we're all cooped up at home anyway. So we're just going to kind of throw caution to the wind and escape. And we're going to watch TV as much of it as possible. <laughs> so, so this is what's happened. And we're escaping because our reality is scary. You know, our reality is very uncomfortable and very scary. And so we just want to escape the reality. So um, another one of those emotions then is fear. Okay. So we're mm -hmm. eating on account of fear, fear, worry, anxiety. And it works. Like that's why we're eating the heavier foods. You know, that's why we don't binge on salads typically. Like we're binging on carbs and sugar and, you know, just really highly dense, you know, food yeah. that acts on the calories and the pounds. And so, but it works. Like in the moment, being in a sugar coma works to kill the fear. We don't feel anything after a binge. And, nice. so, um, and so fear is a big um, driver. So for fear, fear. I'm sorry, so, for fear yes. is an acronym, and actually, you, you know the acronym? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so there are several of them. So the one we can say in a podcast is like false evidence. You can evidence. say anything. You can say fuck everything and run, which yeah, is okay, escape. <laughs> yes, that's absolutely yeah. right. And it's yes. just like, screw it. Like, I'm not going to, I mean, so many people just said, I'm not going to even bother. Like, yeah. I'm let my weight go. You know, because no, you can, nobody can see me anyway. I'm, I'm on Zoom and I look okay on Zoom. <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah, so escape. Now, the third P is one people don't think of as something we use food for, but it's actually a form of punishment. Mm. And, um, and we don't think of that because we're like, oh, you know, it's so nice. I'm, um, you know, rewarding myself with my favorite foods and my favorite TV show. It's sort of, this is my, this is my little treat. But for anybody who loses control and ends up going overboard and they not only eat chips, you know, and dip, but they end up getting into the sugar and then they need more salty and they're, or they're doing the cereal and it's like, it gets out of hand and then they feel disgusting and the next day they don't want to talk to anybody. They just want to be in bed all day. You know, you got to look at that. Is that, is that a treat? You know, have I treated myself? Right. To, to a high dose of pain, you know, and so we punish ourselves. And this is because emotional eaters, you know, in my experience, feel an inordinate amount of guilt. Mm. Okay. And, and it's, and it's, you know, some of it's because we've done crappy things and didn't deal with it. And some of it's be unfounded because we just think we're crap, you know, mm. and we oftentimes have that conditioning where we think we're bad and it's because we're super sensitive we might have had somebody tell us that god forbid but many people had upbringings where they got messages that they weren't enough or they their their you know their parents love was conditional and so we take it on and we feel like we're bad people um you know and so whatever the cause that guilt drives the punishment of overeating not fitting yeah. in our clothes and oftentimes that's where sabotage comes from you know, we're doing good on weight loss, but then these underlying stuff that we have buried all, you know, the pain, the fear and the guilt, um, cause us to sabotage our weight loss success. And we don't feel like we deserve it. Like we have this, this, this residual sense of subconscious guilt. And then we're like, I don't deserve to look pretty. I don't look, deserve to feel mm -hmm. good. I don't deserve the compliments that I'm getting. And bam, we go right back up the scale again. So this is the pep test. So you can take the test and say, you know, am I using food as a painkiller? Is there some kind of pain 
that is driving this? Is there some kind of fear that's causing me to want to escape? Or is there something I'm feeling bad about that I need to address because here I go, I'm about to beat the crap out of myself. Got it. Yeah. So now they've taken the test and they say, you know what? I might just have a problem with addiction. What can they do on their own to help themselves? Because what I've learned is healing is a journey. Absolutely. And you have to be ready. Sometimes when you start working on this, it can get overwhelming and you give up very easily. But what are the things that they, need, they can do for themselves? And then find somebody like you who can actually guide them through the deeper nitty gritty details of uprooting. Yeah. Definitely. And I do, I've really created a system that makes it so easy to follow because it's not hit or miss. Like there is definitely by the grace of God, there's an actual system. It's what I've used to lose weight and keep it off. So I, I'm happy to teach that, you know, to anybody in my work, but, um, but on their own, you know, just the fact that I brought up the people pleasing, I think should be kind of a, uh, you know, a, a red flag for people. And if you, if you relate to that, I would say, start really getting honest about what you can and can't do. Yeah. You know, if somebody invites you to do something, like invites you to do something and you're not sure you can really handle that amount of work or stress or whatever, um, or engagement, whatever it is, give yourself a pause and say, thank you for the invitation. Can I get back to you in a day or so? Give yourself some space, a little pause so you can really check in with yourself and decide, is this something I really want to do? Is this something that's going to work for me? Okay, instead of always piling on more. Also learn, of course, to say, I can't. Like, I, no. this is a great thing to say. Yeah, no, and, and I've got too much on my plate right now, which will be more true than other people will realize. <laughs> you know, it's like, like I don't want to keep overeating, so no, I can't do it. And so uh, I'm just, I'm overloaded. And so that kind of boundary setting is going to be huge. Yeah, um, also, yeah. it's really important is starting some kind of morning routine where you're really getting still and quiet and checking in with yourself. You're, you're basically, I call it putting money in your bank, money in your spiritual bank, if you will, that you can draw on later in the day when you get stressed out, when you feel like reaching for chocolate. You know, I meditate every morning. I meditate and pray and I have some other um, things that I do that just, you know, before I get on the computer, before I'm answering emails, um, it's just helping me tap in because emotional eaters tend to be um, out of touch with themselves, you know, and emotionally and spiritually and, and, and physically for that matter. Um, but when you start checking in and you start this to develop some kind of, you know, spiritual practice, it can help you really tune in a yoga practice, whatever it is, something where you can start getting conscious and aware of your inner being and you can start sort of nourishing yourself on a deeper level so that later in the day when you are stressed out you can draw on that that money in the spiritual bank that you put in there and so those deposits are so so important if we just pop out of bed and we're running here and there and everywhere answering to every call you know every beck and call from every other people we lose our sense of ourselves we lose who we are and we also don't have anything to draw on later right. in the day when the stress piles up. So I'd say that's really important as well. Because I think that's going to be a very difficult one for a people pleaser. Because when they do, I've noticed this, when they're making that shift to say no, they tend to sound angry when they say no. They tend to sound, right? right? And, and the reason is because they've built up, they've built up, yeah. that's the resentment. It's like you've said yes so many times that then you're going to blow at some point. Like you can't take it anymore. And somebody asks something 
And all you need to say is no, but you're so pissed off for all the times you said yes <laughs> that you just completely let loose on them. And yeah. then you're and back I, to the guilt that's feed, and then you feel so bad, and then you yeah. get yourself up with food. So, yeah, totally. So, I, I, I like the way you said, just tell them, you know, uh, thank you so much for the invitation. Let me get back with you. And you can actually simmer down. Yes. And give the most appropriate response. Because I've yes. noticed that when people please us, when you're trying to ask them to shift, they actually create break relationships that have taken them for granted because then you're crazy. Yeah. And which is, which is, <laughs> which is an extremely important step is to take yes. that time before you start. So let's say they have suddenly realized they're a people pleaser. They've done the pep test and they realize, oh my God, I got this food addiction up my through my head from head to toe and they so a morning routine is something that's good for i would say for any health condition or absolutely med, um, emotional well-being yeah I, I think most successful people have two things one is a routine uh, so it's very systematic and number two is a coach Mm -hmm. So people are scared about having a coach. And one of the challenges that I find is they are not sure of themselves, right? They're not sure you like, they could pay up for a coach and say, okay, and they don't, they may not show up for the appointments or they may not follow through. How do you help them understand that this is a shift? Like, I think something great has to happen the very first time they do something that they get immediate results that they'll say, Oh, this is great. I can do this. Yeah. You actually do. To help well, I actually do most of my work. I, I don't one-on-one -on -one coach. I, I have a program um, that includes some private coaching, but mostly group coaching. Yeah. We're there yeah. with other women. It, it is so powerful because first of all, emotional eaters feel so ashamed of their eating behavior and they think they're the only one <laughs> who's done these crazy things with food or eaten to excess this way. I mean, I actually ate out of the garbage. Like I would binge and get so stuffed. I'd be like, I couldn't finish something. And I'd be like, I'm going to throw this out and I'm never eating it again. Like that's never, this is disgusting. Never eating it again. I throw out those cookies and like a couple hours later, I'd have some room in my, my stomach <laughs> and I'd be like, I know there's cookies in there, you know, and I dig them out of the trash and I'm like, oh my God, like I am freaking like, tr like dumpster diving. <laughs> I mean, of course it was my own garbage can, yeah, but you know, I or know. trash can, but I was so embarrassed. And then come to find out, I actually did a YouTube video on this many years ago and I got like, like 60,000 views and yeah. people and comments of like, Oh my God, I did this. So there's so much shame and secretness, you know, secretiveness around this. So when you're with other women who have done the same things, it brings such a level of comfort and identification. And also, you know, we're, we're going through a process of changing this and healing. And so they support each other, they cheer each other on. There's so much love and that nourishes our soul. You know, that community nourishes our soul and we've got to have something that nourishes us on a deeper level because it's not food that we're really hungry for. So that community and the face, you know, on the, we do Zoom calls together, you know, I'm coaching each person, everybody shares. We also have a Facebook group where people are cheering each other on, bringing their losses and their celebrations. So that's the like vital. It's vital for overcoming emotional eating. Nobody can just figure this out on their own. Regarding the coaching, you know, nobody thinks twice about hiring a trainer when you want to get fit. Yeah. right? Or a tennis coach when you want to play better tennis, 
but you hiring a coach for your eating, well, that's just ridiculous, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but but let's face it, food is the hardest of all addictions to overcome. I mean, we're talking so hard. And so why wouldn't you get help? And, and if you've done like 20 diets already in your lifetime, what makes you think it's going to be any different to go on yet another diet? Like you've got to make a change from what you've done. You've got to break from the, you know, the things that don't work. 98% of all diets fail. And so yes, getting coached to overcome emotional eating, there's no shame in that. I mean, people, as I said, everybody's an emotional eater. And most people who come to me on that, um, on that quiz I told you about, yeah. you know, they're on that, they're like a three or a four on that quiz on the higher end of the quiz. So mm -hmm. there's absolutely no shame in this. And you're going to speed up your results. You're going to get results, you know, and it's going to allow you to follow through on things that you're like, for instance, you're prescribing to them. Like, you know, yeah. if they do A, B, and C, their health is going to vastly improve. But if they can't do A, B, and C, you know, Houston, we have a problem. So, yeah. they, you know, getting help on the emotional side so you can follow through on the physical protocols, you know, is such a perfect combination. Absolutely. You know, the, I, I really love this whole process that you have explained. And I think people who have been struggling, what I really like about that last part is so much of trial and error it's time wasted. We're not talking about a couple of hours. We're talking about decades of your yes. life wasted totally. trying to figure that solution. Right. And it takes it so much. I mean, when I first hired my first coach was about 11 years ago. The first call I got, I actually slammed the phone on them. Like, <laughs> oh, that's what do so I need nice. coaching for? <laughs> right. And after that, I have never stopped having a coach. I've just changed the type of coaching I've needed because I've now realized what I need. And I think that's, um, that's a very essential point. Like don't waste decades of your life trying to find a solution when it takes just a flip of a switch when you yeah. have somebody walking you through that. So Absolutely. I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah. This was a really an interesting conversation. I really love this. Thank you so much. Thank you. And, and I know somebody who's listening to this is going to be benefiting from it. And once again, tell your website and the quiz that they can take. Sure. Um, it, the website is healyourhunger.com, H-E-A-L, healyourhunger.com. And the quiz is right there. It'll pop up and it's a free quiz and you'll just, you know, answer 10 or 12 questions and you'll get a personalized score by email and, and, and then some, uh, some action steps you can take. So yeah, I highly recommend that. And then I do have a podcast um, called the Heal Your Hunger Show as well. Awesome. Thank you so yeah. much. This was very interesting and I appreciate you being on our podcast. Well, thank you so much for your amazing work and for having me. It's been a pleasure. Same here. In closing, I really hope you enjoyed this podcast and you've gotten some new knowledge that you can put to use effectively. I want to say before I close that Anything that's discussed in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice and no physician-patient relationship has been formed. However, this information is to help you think a little differently, ask different questions so you can really regain your health or live your life optimally. Once again, thank you so much for joining us and make sure to review our podcast and also subscribe to our YouTube channel where you'll have all of the videos of this podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nisha Chalam for Women Wired for Wellness, presented by Holistic and Integrative Center of Novi.